Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 179 of the jimmystable.com podcast entitled, Why Your Life Should Become a Letter for Others to Read. Have you ever thought about the art of letter writing? It's not something we do a lot of these days. Um, Most of us don't take the time to write letters. It almost seems like a practice of antiquity because we prefer text messaging and Facebook and Twitter post and Instagram post over that of taking time to handwrite a letter, drop it in the mail. Heck, we don't even really email people much these days. Um, email almost just has become a place for advertisements and spam to exist and confirmation emails from Amazon and other places to notify us that we've successfully placed our order and that our shipping is on the way. But once upon a time, not too long ago, even in my father's generation, um, people used to take the time to write letters to one another, to, to update one another on how things are going in their life and what sort of events are happening and transpiring, to, to share intimate details of, of their life and to convey a certain sense of story uh, so that the other person could understand what was going on and have something to think about in regard to that person. Um, and so you usually you wrote letters and you made them count. It wasn't just these generic letters that we drop in the mail today advertising some sort of special thing or to notify you from the IRS or some you know legal issue that, hey, you've received a notice, you've received a summons, you're being audited. Um, you know that's, that's about the extent of the uh, letters we get today. Maybe some of you still practice old-fashioned letter writing or maybe some of you who even still receive uh, letters. Personally speaking, I can't sit there and think of too many times in my life that I've received a handwritten letter in the mail. Um, At best, I've received maybe perhaps a postcard in recent years, Um, but even that's become increasingly rare. Um, I think, gosh, the last actual letter that I received in the mail um, written by somebody in my family to me was probably about 20 years ago when I was still in college and social media wasn't quite a thing yet. Uh, One of my cousins wrote me of his college experience and wanted to connect. Um, And you know, I sit there and look at it in retrospect, I don't don't think I wrote him back. I'm not sure if I did or not. Um, But that's, that was pretty much the extent of my experience of receiving letters from people you know and care about in the mail. Um, So letter writing is something that is Maybe perhaps you can consider an antiquated technology. Um, it's up there with the record player <laughs> or the eight track uh, or the uh, whatever the other type of uh, eight track was it um, that they used to play uh, music on once upon a time uh, prior to cassettes. Um, and for those of you who don't know what cassettes are, well, you know, I'm dating myself here. Maybe all you know is uh, 
you know, Apple MP3 shuffles and, and uh, Spotify and things of that nature. But anyway, once upon a time in civilization, we used to write each other letters. In fact, most of the New Testament um, is actually composed of handwritten letters by individuals like the Apostle Paul, John, Peter, James, and Jude, who wrote extensive letters to the churches that they were attempting to minister to. Um, and those letters were written with often a sense of urgency, and they were often written with some very specific content, um, especially since you know, th things traveled slowly back in those days. So when they wrote letters, they, they definitely made them count. Uh, writing a letter was an expensive endeavor. Um, it wasn't something that was done on the cheap. Um, and then you had to hire a courier um, since there was no just like U.S. mail service just to drop the mail in. Um, you had to hire a courier who would then go hand deliver that letter. So letter writing was an expensive thing, not only because you had to, you know, get the, the type of paper that they used back in those days, but you also had to find somebody who actually had the, the gift of transcribing letters because people often... Uh, when they wrote letters back then, they usually didn't write them themselves. They usually hired somebody to do the writing for them. Um, and they would dictate those letters and then hand it to a courier and ship it away. Uh, so letter writing was very important. And letter writing ended up making up most of the New Testament. Um, and those letters have survived to this day. And one of those letters that I want to call attention to today uh, and the, this podcast that I think is particularly relevant for the discussion that I'm wanting to have comes um, from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 3, where the Apostle Paul wrote, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. Um, to kind of put this in context, when the Apostle Paul, uh, without getting too into the nitty and gritty, when the Apostle Paul wrote the church in Corinth at this time, there was a group of individual ministers that the Apostle Paul would later refer to jokingly uh, as super apostles. There is this group of so-called super apostles that were making their way through the churches um, who were trying to perform ministry similar to Paul. Um, but one of the things that the super apostles did is when they showed up to churches and people were like, well, why should we listen to you? They would sit there and show their letters of commendation that they had from other people who would vouch for them, essentially, because these were people who were often unknown um, and they would say, oh yeah, hey, if, if you want to trust the ministry I have, here's the piece of paper that says you should trust the, the ministry that I have. Um, and so they would often try to get such letters from other perceived important people within other churches who would therefore, you know, vouch for them and say, oh, you should trust this guy. Um, and so they use this uh, system of trust and letter writing and commendation in order to further their uh, ministry, of which the Apostle Paul was highly suspect of their ministry um, and considered them more or less to be false teachers. Um, but they were using the fact that they had what, what we would call uh, today ordination papers, by the way, um, that they were using their ordination papers to impress people um, as to why they should be entrusted with the ministry uh, in that local church 
Uh, and the church was just like, okay, well, somebody else signed this piece of paper, and we like them, so we're going to like you. Well, the Apostle Paul took objection to this sort of thing, and he kind of uh, rebuked the Corinthians for you know, being willing to accept letters of commendation or ministry ordination certificates, um, you know, to, to commend somebody to them as to why they should accept. Uh, the Apostle Paul's like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second. We didn't come, I didn't come with any sort of fancy papers. Um, you know, if, if anybody is the, the fancy paper that can vouch for my ministry, um, it's the letters that are written upon your heart. You yourselves are those letters. Your life, your, the life that you're living, the ministry that you have, um, the type of people that you are, the character that has been imprinted upon you, the type of person that God has made you into, well, that is a result of the ministry you received from me. So instead of you know, accepting somebody's fancy ministry paper or somebody's ordination papers as to why you should accept their ministry, he's just like, hold on a second. You yourselves are our letters. Uh, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifest as a letter of Christ. And I think that's pretty powerful. You know, I'm not going to sit here and slam people who have, um, you know, ordination papers. I, I know a lot of respectful ministers that I enjoy that have gone through the ordained ministry process, and I celebrate them and love them and care for them. But you know, at the end of the day, I think if you were to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and understand it in the greater context, I think the Apostle Paul would probably be willing to slam uh, the practice that we have today with modern-day ordination. Um, he would just be like, hey, those letters that you have from some school or those letters you have from some other minister— they mean nothing. What really matters is the spirit of the living God working through somebody else in order to transform lives. And your transformed life is evidence of the ministry that is ultimately from God. It's not some sort of letter written in stone. It's not some letter written with ink. It's a letter written by God. It is the, ultimately the story of God and the story that God is looking to tell through your life and that is ultimately a letter of Jesus Christ. And that got me into thinking about some things. This has got me thinking about my own life, and in part, uh, you know, as I've talked about before of, of on this podcast of why I never pursued uh, ordained ministry in the church and vocational ministry, although I'm not opposed to those things per se. Uh, although, like I said, Apostle Paul would probably be a little suspect of some of this behavior. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, the ministry that the Apostle Paul was about was very pragmatic in, in many ways. It was ultimately looking towards individuals whose lives had been transformed. If you wanted to know about the authenticity and power of the gospel working through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you know, Paul said, look to no further proof than the life you are living yourself. Um, you know, the transformed life that you have in Christ is all the evidence of the ministry that you should need um, in regard to why you've accepted my ministry in your midst and why you should accept it in rejection of, in place of these so-called super apostles who are infiltrating the church with their false ministry who can offer nothing more than fancy pieces of paper in order to vouch for them. And that had me thinking about my life and my ministry and what I do. 
Um, and it kind of caused me to realize something, though. Like, we often teach from this passage of Scripture about, you know, being living epistles, being living letters um, that the story of Jesus is getting told through. And I sat there and I thought about it over the years. Well, what for, for if you've ever engaged in letter writing or read letters and, and stuff of that nature, you know, one of the things that makes a letter particularly powerful is that a letter is filled with all sorts of specifics and transparency. Otherwise, if a, a letter lacks transparency about the author and its intent, his and her intentions and, and what's going on in their lives, then, you know, the letter is kind of meaningless. But one of the things that makes a letter powerful is that when somebody writes it, um, you know, apart from proper grammar and all those sort of things and good rhetoric, um, is that they that they're willing to engage with a nature um, in which they just are honest before you, in which they share a degree of transparency in their lives, in which they take down the curtain and, and share something specific about themselves that they wish to convey to you for a greater purpose. And I think, especially in our highly individualistic lives that we live here in America and this, this sort of natural uh, guarding of our lives and keeping things secret and only revealing things that we want people to read about us and to see on social media and things of that nature, is that if, if you wish to have a particularly powerful life, a life that matters, a life in which God can use, I think just like any good letter writing, you need to come before people and have a willingness to be open and transparent and to share very specific details about your life, to share the highs, to share the lows, to share the good times, to share the bad times, to share all the things that ultimately should matter to other people. And I think in sharing those things about our lives, it opens up an opportunity for the ministry and life of Christ to ultimately be manifest through us. And I think that's one thing I've learned over the years in regard to myself. And, you know, something that friends and family have often pointed out with, with me is that, like, Jimmy, you're, you're pretty open and transparent guy. Um, you share a lot. And, the, you know, some people have even criticized me of perhaps maybe oversharing. Um, and to some degree, perhaps I probably do overshare, especially as somebody who kind of has a gift of gap. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know when to shut up. Um, and, uh, you know, as somebody who likes to find ways to relate to others, I've often found that one of the best ways to uh, relate to others is the willingness to to share not only of your resources and the things that you have in your life, but to share something personal about what's going on in your life, a, a sense of vulnerability in which you expose yourself and you, you share something about your life in which other op people have the opportunity to see something of you and to which maybe they could judge you or take advantage of you and maybe hold over your head because they know details about your life um, that, uh, you know, may include some dirty laundry. And they might be able to manipulate your situation because of that. And, and you might be extra vulnerable because of it. You might be extra vulnerable to critique and slander and all sorts of other things from people who, you know, have malevolent intent 
when it comes to their interactions with you. But you know, that's the risk you ultimately take. You ultimately take that risk. Um, but I think it's a risk worth taking because if you're going to live a life that matters, if you're going to live a life that God can use, if you're going to live a life that can make a difference in the world, I think there is the need to be specific about things in your life, to be transparent, to be open, to be honest, to, to talk about your faults as well as your strengths, and not just to air dirty laundry for the sake of airing dirty laundry. You know, you do need to learn some discretion. You do need to learn some tact. And as my uh, mother often reminds me, you know, you need to have some sort of sense of mystery about you. Um, and I think there's definitely room for all those things. You don't need to share everything that's going on in your life. Um, and, you know, some people think they know all sorts of things about what's going on in my life, especially if you follow me on social media. I'm a pretty open and transparent person. I openly talk about my life. And on this podcast, I have talked about many things in my life. I've, you know, on this podcast in the past, I've talked about my former marriage. I've talked about filing for bankruptcy. I've talked about woes uh, from uh, my job and difficulties and struggles that I've had. I've talked about grief. I've talked about joy. I've talked about dating. I've talked about aging. I've talked about uh, playing hockey again, you know, at the ripe old age of 40 and, and having to work out and, and, and all these sort of things. I've talked about all sorts of things in my life. And, and I do this not only on my podcast, but I do this in, in real life too. Um, and I do this not just because I'm some sort of egotistical idiot who just runs his mouth, although I admittedly maybe sometimes I am, uh, without a doubt. It's, you know, uh, definitely a shortcoming of mine sometimes. But, uh, you know, for all the things I do share in my life, I don't share everything. There are definitely some things that I hold close to the vest, and there are definitely some things that I don't share because people don't need to know or haven't earned the right to know yet. But whatever it is, I ultimately share those things in hopes that the Jesus who lives in me is somehow working through my life in such a way that other people can read the story of my life and see something of the life of Christ in that. And so that people can ultimately see the very living God, living and breathing through me. But so long as we're vague, so long as we hide behind veils, so long as we put masks on, so long as we keep everything close and under wraps and never share anything of our story, we rob people of the opportunity to see the living God at work in our lives. You know, when I was going through my divorce um, I was involved in the high school youth ministry of my church, um, and I thought to instantly resign um, from the youth ministry that I was involved with for, for several years. Um, and one of the most powerful and profound things that has ever happened in my life, um, one of the pastors, when I was talking to him with that, was like, you know, Jimmy, it's, it's clearly not your fault for why you're going through your divorce, you know, and I, like I've mentioned before, I'm not going to share the specifics of that, but uh, let's just say the, the reasons for my divorce were biblical. Um, and, you know, the church understanding that encouraged me, the pastor encouraged me when I had a discussion with him. He's like, no, he's like, our kids 
need to see what it is like for somebody to walk through dark times and to struggle in a season of life and to do so while following Jesus. And so, you know, for the fourth year of the rotation of the high school youth ministry that I was involved with, with um, starting off with the freshmen and continuing all the way through the kids' senior year, I continued to show up on almost a weekly basis and to share my heart and my life and what was happening. And I, I didn't spare the, uh, the kids I was with my tears. I didn't spare them my grief. I was open and transparent and honest uh, about what was happening in my life. Of course, there were some times where I pulled away and just said, hey, I can't make it this week because my grief is too much and I'm struggling and I'm just going to do nothing but cry this week, so I'm not going to show up. Uh, but you know, um, when appropriate, and at times maybe a little too much, but there are times where, you know, throughout that final year uh, and going through my divorce of, of you know, I openly shared um, about what was happening in my life with my kids um, that I was in charge of ministering to. And I can't speak for them, but uh, I do believe they got something out of it at the end of the day. Maybe that sometimes I'm sure they would have wished, hey, Jimmy, would you please shut up? <laughs> I'm sure that was probably a thought in a, a time or two in their heads. But, uh, you know, seeing how some of them responded to me um, over that year um, and reacted to me and talked to me in private about some things, you know, I realized how powerful of an event that was um, for them to see me struggle with Jesus, to see me struggle with my divorce, to see me struggle in grief, and to overcome those things and to process those things as a person of faith, you know, I think that story and sharing that story with them and having shared that story in the past on this podcast, you know, I think that has allowed for a number of people to ultimately see Jesus working in my life at a way that maybe perhaps they didn't see Jesus working before. Because Jesus was with me and my grief and my sufferings and my struggles. And those struggles became a written letter for all to read. A living letter. And it shared something of the gospel working through me. And I am glad to have shared it because it could have been very easy just to withdraw. It could have been very easy just to be quiet about the entire thing, especially with the risk of you know, talking about your divorce openly um, while still going through uh, the legal process and you know, um, possible even repercussions for doing so. Thankfully, none happened. And I definitely took a calculated risk. People could have taken advantage of me and my situation. Um, but I'm thankful none of that happened, even though it could have. But I'm even more thankful that through my sufferings, through my ups and downs, through all that I experienced, Christ was there with me. And I got to share something of his life through mine. In John 1, the gospel talks about how in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. And as Eugene Peterson in his 
uh, famous message translation and says, and, and God moved into the neighborhood. You know, I think there's something very profound about that, that, you know, not only happened in, uniquely in the incarnation of Jesus Christ um, when Jesus was born into this world, but I think that incarnational story of, of God made flesh in the person of Jesus and coming into this world through the birth of uh, the Virgin Mary, as, as unique as an event as that was, that incarnational living has the opportunity to play out in our lives with the gospel message. Jesus, who dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, can continue to live through our lives in a very incarnational way, just as the same way that Jesus lived in this world in the days of his flesh um, when he was born 2,000 years ago. We're ultimately, at the end of the day, I believe, called by God to be written, living epistles. And to recognize that your story is ultimately the story of God. It's the fleshing out of the life of Jesus for all to see and all to read. And if you want your life to matter, if you want your story to matter, if you want all that you've gone through, both good and bad, to, to be something for this world more than just you, if you want it to be something of the gospel fleshing itself out in this world, that's going to require, like any well-written letter, for you to be open, transparent, and specific, and willing to share things written down for all others to see. That'll require living a life boldly. That'll require the willingness to be open and transparent and authentic and vulnerable with people. It'll require difficult conversations. It'll require difficult uh, ways of living. Because if you're going to live open uh, about your life, you know, you're going to invite some questions. And people are going to look to see, is this authentic? Is this real? Because none of us like hanging out with fake people, do we? <laughs> we all want somebody who's willing to be authentic and transparent, to share something of their lives and not to be a hypocrite about it. And I think that's ultimately what made the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul so powerful and profound when you read the, the pages of the New Testament. Over a dozen times throughout the writings of the New Testament and the, the many letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, you know, Paul would often invite people to see what manner of man he was among them, to, to imitate me as I imitate Christ and to, to follow in my footsteps, to pattern your life after my life. That's a pretty bold claim. And that invites a lot of people looking closely at you. But you know, that type of living is ultimately what made the ministry of the Apostle Paul so powerful and profound is because Jesus was being incarnate through Paul and he could boldly invite people to follow him, to see the example of the life he lived, the character which he lived, through his ups and his downs and everything in between. Um, you, you get to see the Apostle Paul. He got, to, he got to show people, with these hands I ministered to my own needs. And people knew exactly what he was talking about because he was open and transparent. 
He didn't just hide like the super apostles did in 2 Corinthians with their letters of commendation and their ministry ordination papers um, in which they were able to get other people to vouch for them. Rather, the life they lived, the Apostle Paul lived, the life that the Apostle Paul lived was open for all to read and it made an impact on the people that received his ministry and instead of being able to point just some fancy letters and some credentialing process, he was just like, you know, look at yourselves. Look at the fruit of the ministry that I sowed among you and reaped among you. No matter what manner of people you are because of who I am in Christ and what Christ accomplished through me. And that's the only authority as an apostle that he felt he ne- needed. He didn't need to appeal to some board or somebody who signed off on his ministry. He's like, you know, the life I live and the life you live as a result, that's the only sign-off, that's the only thing, that's the only letter that you need. And you don't need anything more. And I would simply toss that out there for those who would consider themselves ordained ministers. What about you? How transparent and open are you with your flock? How much do they get a chance to see in your life? Or do you just get in the pulpit every Sunday and hide behind there? And hide behind the degree, the ordination papers, and all the other things that say people should listen to you? (laughs) You know, I I think there's a death uh, in the church as a result of so many people hiding behind pulpits, of so many people hiding behind letters. I can specifically remember a pastor and professor in Bible college who boasted openly about how in his 20 years of ministry at that time, how not one of his parishioners had ever stepped stepped on the door of his house uh, and come into his house and dined with his family. And I understand why he wanted that, because he wanted to create... Uh, you know, a safe space for his family because, you know, it can be brutal being a minister in a church and the, the critiques that ministers and their families receive can be horrendous. And so I understand to some degree why some keep some sacred space between ministry and the family life. But, you know, I also heard the same man once say, and besides, if people knew how I really lived my life, that would ruin this man of God aura that I project. And he didn't feel like people would listen to him unless he could project this man of, this man of God in the pulpit, Moses come down from the mountaintop, unless he could project that image in or unless he could show his doctorate certificate, unless he could show his uh, bishop's license with the denomination that he was involved with, he felt like people would have no reason to listen to him. And I think that's kind of sad. Now, I will say, (laughs) he's ministered to far more people than I ever have and probably ever will. Um, And, you know, good for him. But at the same time, especially when you compare the 2 Corinthians and the uh, ethos in which the Apostle Paul was conducting himself, the Apostle Paul didn't say, hey, look at my fancy letters of commendation. Look at my look at my pedigree and my you know where I've studied and all those things. Although I could point to those things if I wanted to, he's just like you know, look at the letters that have been written upon the hearts of men. 
because those letters are the letters of Christ, loved and read and carried by all. So my encouragement to you today would be, whoever you are, whether you're the minister of a church, pastor, deacon, elder, what have you, uh, or whether you're just, you know, like me, somebody in the pew is just quietly volunteering and serving in whatever capacity they can. Or maybe you're not even that. Maybe you're, you know, somebody who's a relatively new convert or, you know, somebody who's not formally involved in any sort of, you know, official, quote unquote, the ministry of the church. Well, whatever your case, you know, if you want to be received by all, if you want the light of Jesus to shine through you, be willing to be vulnerable, open, transparent, and specific, to share something of your life, which hopefully, if you're following in the footsteps of Jesus, as something of the life of Christ, so that you might preach the gospel to others simply through the way that you live and conduct yourself so that people have no excuse and that so people can't sit there and say, I've never seen Jesus. Because if you're living your life and, and with a sense of transparency and openness and Jesus is living through you, people should be able to say, you know what? I have seen Jesus and I've seen him alive and you, and he's working in my heart because of it. So everybody, this has been episode 179, Why Your Life Should Become a Letter for Others to Read. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, and you have some thoughts, or you have some feedback and criticisms, feel free to email me, jimmyatjimmystable.com. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe to this podcast yet, you can do so at jimmystable.com slash subscribe and find your favorite way to subscribe. And if you haven't had a chance to leave a glowing five-star review, be honest and open and transparent with me and go to places like Apple and Spotify and Amazon and leave your glowing five-star review about this podcast, about why it's just so awesome and how you enjoy sharing something of my story uh, every week with you all. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Hope you come back, take care, God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.